TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and joining me tonight... Well, first, don't bother ringing her telephone while she's dancing in the rain. It's Jamie. (laughs) Hey, Jamie. Hey! Took my shoes off just for this podcast. (laughs) I bet you got the reference. And to complete this week's trio in this town of lepers, he's the one with the most fingers, it's Brian. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, gang, how are (laughs) you? Just want to go on record, neither of those quotes has anything to do with what we're going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> I'll exp- if I need to explain, you know, wait till the end of the podcast and I'll explain what each quote is from. Jamie should have actually gotten her joke. Anyway. I got it. Yeah, it's from a song. Again, brought it in. Anyway, we are beyond thrilled to be back once again to be talking about Better Call Saul because we are about to kick off the coverage of the first of the final six episodes. Um, we should just get right to the episode, right? We don't need to banter anymore. It's one in the hey, morning we're doing this. <laughs> That's right. They got right back to it. Yeah, absolutely. So the episode was point and shoot. They're still continuing. It looks like they are going to keep the, the, the title pattern of the, of the this and that for the entire season, at least so far. So I'm very impressed by that. This episode was actually written by Gordon Smith, who has written some of the most memorable episodes of Better Call Saul, such as 5.0, which is that Mike-centric one from way back in season one, or Chicanery, which is the one where Chuck implodes in court. And of course, one of my favorites, Bagman, where we took that trip through the desert with Jimmy and Mike. Um, one of our usual uh, co-hosts here actually had a similar <laughs> adventure in his life recently. And I also <laughs> want to award bonus points to Mr. Smith. He actually responded to a complimentary tweet from me that I had sent him. And I sent this to him before I watched the episode. I just, I think Peter Gould had uh, sent out a tweet complimenting him or something. And I wanted to echo, and he was being really like modest about it. So I was just like, no, 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 you don't need to be modest, sir. You've written some of the best episodes of the series and you're an inspiration to writers like me. So he sent me a very nice tweet back. Anyway, and to top all that, this episode was written by none other, directed, excuse me, by none other by Vince Gilligan himself. So if this wasn't the first of these final six episodes, these mini half season, whatever, you would still know it has to be significant. Vince Gilligan's directing it. So let's get to it. The cold open, which we always love. Here we have a cold open. It's in the traditional ominous cryptic style. Although I'm going to say... I'm going to go out on not much of a limb here. I think it was pretty easy for most, perhaps almost all viewers, to kind of interpret this one. I think we all knew what we were seeing. I mean, the the moment I saw the shoe, I was like, oh, it's Howard's shoe. I mean, am I yeah. correct? You guys probably had the very same thought. Yeah. I, I think I was just waiting. I, I, once we see the shoe, I was like, okay, how much more are you going to show me? Because I know you like being cryptic, so I don't expect to see Howard's body. But I'm wondering if maybe there'll be one other. I was waiting for like another shoe to drop, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it's just uh, the car and the wallet and the things." Like, all right. And I, in my mind, I was going, "So you know, at some point in this episode, we're going to see each one of those items being taken and removed." And we exactly saw that. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yep. But I, yeah, I knew exactly what we were looking at. And kudos because. 
even though Mike's going to Mike and, you know, he always has a plan for things. Uh, taking your shoes off and walking in the beach on a Coke binge just seems like something that a Coke binged Howard would do. So, <laughs> But his eyes were dilated. Bought. <laughs> bought and sold. <laughs> so we actually do, once we get beyond the cold open, we do pick up right where we left off. In fact, I think we even see a little bit of what we'd seen before, just from a different uh, perspe- perspective. Yes. But, you know, after the, the murder of Howard, it's let's get to it. It's Lalo's, I, I would call it, it's Lalo's supposed plan, which is to send Jimmy to Gus's house and kill him. Even though we learned fairly soon, that was probably never really his plan at all. Um, I, it, it's, Again, I, I love the difference of the last time we saw Lalo with Jimmy and Kim here from last time to this time. And obviously it's going to be different because he just murdered someone right in front of them. So it's, a, it's, you know, Kim's not going to be, not going to be getting on our high horse with Lalo in, in this scene. But I, I just, in my no. mind, I'm, I was juxtaposing those two, those two scenes because of how, even though they both had an incredible amount of tension, this one obviously felt a lot more hopeless and desperate because you're like, oh God, someone's going to die or something. So I was very, I, I like the parallel, the mirroring of those two things, if you know what I mean. So, Absolutely. So here, this might be our first conversation point. I you know Jamie's ready to go on it. But during this, Jimmy actually insists that Kim should be sent instead. And he has a very logical, rational argument for it. It's far more likely someone's going to look through a peephole and open the door to a, a woman in the middle of the night who might have, you know, be, say she has car trouble or something than some random guy. It, it makes sense. And Lalo gets so tired yes. of the two of them kind of like, you know, bickering with each other about it, if you, if you want to call it bickering, really, um, that he says, all right, fine, I'll, I'll send her. He, he, he buys Jimmy's line about it. So, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll put, the, put the episode on mental pause here. I will say, the moment it was happening, just like in the moment, I was like, "Oh no, what, why?" And then, uh, 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 and as it was going further, and I was watching the watching, you know, watching the performances and watching his face, and realizing, "Oh, I see what he's doing. I know why he's doing it now." So, right. So, well. There's no okay. All of all of the, the 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 past things that Jimmy has done that other people, like his own brother, would raise his eyebrow at, all of that stuff aside. At the end of the day, Jimmy has so much respect for Kim and love for Kim. And it's his best friend and it's his wife. And say what you're gonna say. But there are some people out there that are kind of questioning his motives or questioning her motives. And no, 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 no. Guys, this was a man trying to get the woman that he loved the chance to get away because there was no way he was going to leave her in this apartment with a gun pointed at her head. And then like, what is he going to do? What is, what is he going to do when he walks out that door? Like that's a coward move and he knows it. He's not going full coward. He is giving her the chance to get to freedom. And anybody who thinks otherwise has not paid a single bit of attention to these two uh, because he is, he is protecting the woman he loves. And he did not talk 
wallow into anything. It just, like you said, it just made sense. It, if you see a woman at your front door in the middle of the night, you're just more likely to open that door than you are if it's, it's all good, man. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it is, I, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> no, I think uh, he did what he did jump into his think on the feet skill, which is always good. Yeah. Um, but what he was using, I mean, I, I like to think of it the way Tony Dalton moves around that room with that gun and his, I, I call him the world's most charismatic predator. Um, he, he has a very predatory uh, way that's sort of delightful and terrifying. And, you know, what Jimmy was doing was like they were both in the tiger cage. He was getting Kim out of the tiger cage, out of danger. Yes. Right. Yes. And right. Brian, I love what you said, referring to him as as something in the feline species, because uh, towards the end of this episode, I think it comes back into play that he is very much a cat who likes to play with his prey. <laughs> oh, I mean. His on his feet, he's light. He's he, I, and I think if we believe, and I think Scott suggested it, if we believe he never really was going to do this, he's playing with them in a very terrifying way, knowing he's not going to kill them, but he's using them to get his end, and so he he's even playing with them in a way. And I think all of us believe he was never going back to that apartment. He was using this to get to Gus. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yep. but but his performance, a friend of mine put a post on Facebook today, like, you know, there's not much good on TV, but, but you should watch this guy. Like, I mean, his, oh. and it's hard to believe. I heard this today. It's hard to believe he's only been in the show since episode 408. Um, it just seems like, you know, he's been a fixture in our life and uh, he's really put his stamp on something amazing in his run on this show. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, yep. I think you guys actually covered it pretty well. Um, I don't need to, uh, repeat anything here, but it's to me, it's just the realization that it's, I think one of you made a reference, I think Jamie might have made a reference to control. I think if Jimmy stays here, although he cannot control the situation, he can, he can at least there's a chance he can guide it to some extent and just by getting her out of there. Because either she is either successful in the mission that Lalo sends her out on or not, he figures that at least there's a chance she'll figure something out. And, and she's, yeah, and, and we got and, that line again. We got that line again, right? But she's really clever. Right. Right, right, right. And, and don't don't forget too. I mean, the thing you're talking about, if if Kim were to play it straight, and Jimmy obviously don't have time to talk and know, she's she's better equipped to do that because the last time he was around guns and people dying <laughs> from guns, yeah. he's been still pretty traumatized by that, and he's yes. just yeah. not too long ago started to shake that. Right. And so the idea of being around a gun, people with guns, and, you know, I, I, I think he knows if he leaves, he could not accomplish that. He probably couldn't do it. Right. But even then, he, he doesn't want, I mean, I don't think that's his primary reason. 
But if Don't. either one of them was going to pull it off, he knew it'd be Kim, but he was not going to leave her alone with Lala. He yeah, was getting out of the, there. The, the, the motive, yeah, it should be, just to reiterate what you just said, It's it, you, that's that's basically what it comes down to. The point of it was to get her out of there, period. Whether she comes up with something or not, whether she stopped or not, whatever, but at least she has a chance of surviving if she's not there. He thought it would be less right. likely if she was. The interesting thing, and as far as, I mean, again, I didn't, I didn't personally experience any people with, who, who would confuse this otherwise online. I'm sure they were there because there's any number of type of people out there. Um, I would say, again, not in any way defending those idiots. However, what I would say is, because this is a heroic move, not a spineless move. If this mm-hmm. is happening, let's say three to four years later, that would be a Saul-like thing to do where he yes. absolutely would be sacrificed, try to just, you know, sacrifice somebody else because it wouldn't be someone he had the relationship with, like with Kim. That would feel like a right. Saul thing. So I, I want, I almost, so going to what you were saying, Jamie, what, and it's like, have you not been watching this show? Cause someone to think that it's like, yep. what'd you do? Just start watching this episode and you just know him from the way he was on Breaking exactly. Bad. Because exactly. Yeah. The- he's not putting a target on Walt. He's, He's trying to save Kim. Right. <laughs> yes. So let's get back into the scene. So then, you know, obviously it's Lalo and Jimmy at this point, and Lalo is basically even saying out loud, you know, what to do with you? And he goes, he goes, gives a little synopsis of what's happened, you know, how men came, killed people that he cares about and so on. And he drops um, the name Ignacio Varga. And, and then you realize, yep. oh, the whole thing is like, Nacho was the yes, one who why? actually intru- introduced Lalo to Jimmy once upon a time. Um, obviously, this leads to him zip tying him up, and he. I love that he puts back on the TV and jacks, uh, takes it off pause and jacks up the volume of Born Yesterday, so it's really loud. It's like, oh, it's like it's like when I fall asleep in my my living room and I forgot to turn off the TV. Um, but I love when he had said that he's going to come back to hear the whole story because the melody, yes. and it, uh, even though we we once we see what he's doing, we're already like, oh, he's not. Even, that's never going to happen. But the first thing I think when I hear him say that, it takes me to what my, it might be my favorite Lalo moment, or at least my favorite scary Lalo moment. Again, it's from what happened in that house back at that apartment back in uh, Bad Choice Road. The tell me yep. again sequence, when he kept yes. saying, tell me again. It was like, to me, that I, I personally, that's why I, I find it interesting that there are people they feel the need to say, oh, this episode or the last episode, it's the Ozymandias of Better Call Saul. It's the Ozymandias of Better Call Saul. And I keep saying, okay, I love these episodes. I don't, I still, I am sorry, maybe yep. call me biased. I don't put, I still do not put them on that level. And if I, I can do an old podcast about why I wouldn't, but I'm not going to do that here, obviously. But I also would say, in addition to that, I actually think I, I love these two plan and was it plan and execution and point and shoot. It's a great combo. Yep. But do I think what I but would I personally put them ahead of um, Bad Choice Road and the previous one up to that uh, Bagman? I actually wouldn't. No, I think Bagman and Bad no, Choice I Road are either. better. I mean, we're not talking. We're talking about slight degrees. Um, and the only reason I'm saying yep. that, and it's silly, it's because it's just like with Breaking Bad in the final season of that show. Now with it being the final season of Better Call Saul, suddenly everybody's talking about it. Everybody's got an opinion. It's always recency bias. It's like, oh, this episode was the best episode of the... Oh, it was a great episode. Top 10 episode. Not the best episode. 
Calm down. Yeah, Calm down. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with you on that because as it stands with this series, to this day, uh, Bad Choice Road is yeah, not it's... only my favorite episode in this series, but I would probably put it in my top five all-time favorite episodes of TV. Point blank, <laughs> I just would. If only it, if only it had been eligible for that countdown. <laughs> I can't... Oh, rat. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> too little, too late. What could I do? I, could, I also I had do. To disqualify. <laughs> I just had to do it. I do also really love that we got the throwback line to what started this whole thing with the, it was Ignacio, like yes. getting that 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 original Saul line that started this whole this whole thing it's, on this track. It's was, amazing was if you think about it. If you just spent a moment thinking about it, the fact that that was in all, not, not, not forget, I won't even have to say in all likelihood. It was. It's a throwaway line in a scene from the second season of yeah. Breaking Bad. They had no intention of ever doing anything with that, ever. Ever. They didn't know they were going to do, be doing a spinoff. And they didn't even know there was going to be a mic at that yeah. point, if you all remember, you know? And then That's fa- true, yeah. fast forward, you know, t- a decade later, it's basically the the foundation the, the 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 fast forwarding foundation for like a huge chunk of this entire show. It's it's insane. I, I brilliant. I just uh, I love creative minds. I just I love what creative minds can yeah. can create in this world. And yeah, this is one of those things. This is just one of those things where you have to sit back and be like and divine. This is divine. It's so great. And it's funny because I, I know people just recently I even talked to someone on, on, on the Facebook there. Um, there are actually people who are watching this show who have never seen Breaking Bad. And I was trying not to be a condescending prick when I made a comment. Sure. I was really trying. I was really trying. I didn't want to be, didn't want to do that. Didn't want to be a mansplain. I didn't want to do any of that kind of like, stuff. Like, hey, hey, there was like a whole marathon no, that, on this weekend. No, Where I, were you? Well, they said, and they, <laughs> no, they said that there were, you know, they, and they'll, they'll, cause they think this show is brilliant and blah, 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 blah. And, um, uh, and I said, it's like, oh, it's, 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 almost, it's, it's a shame that you hadn't seen Breaking Bad already. Cause everyone's doing the whole thing. Well, I'll watch it after because it happens after. Like, oh, yeah, and that'll work. But yeah, you, 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 you. There's a lot of things you miss out on by not having watched it first, and their yeah. initial response was, "Oh, but they, they've been, they, they've, they understood all the reference or whatever." It's like, no, 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 no. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to beat this to death. It's just like I'm not talking about the big obvious things. Like, oh, there's Hector. I know him from me. Or, or there's got, or, or, or certain. It's all these little things. It's all these parallels. It's all these things. When you realize, oh my God, they're going down the same thing. Even in this ep, this very episode, I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward to it right now. Did I thought it was fascinating to see that Mike's doing cleanup work in front of Jimmy, and the first time we ever meet Mike mm-hmm. in Breaking Bad, he's doing cleanup work on behalf of Saul slash Jimmy. You know, yes. this is this is essentially what he kind of did on his own, but uh, with um, Jesse uh, back in um, at the end of season two, and I just love that. Like, yeah. th- that's there for a reason, and, it, and it's like if you haven't seen that, you don't get that. And and if you yeah. haven't watched Breaking Bad, to know that this came after it and they wrote with Breaking Bad in mind. Right. That's like a moron who said, I didn't enjoy Memento because it wasn't in order. 
Like, <laughs> you know, like, like the only way I, I'll watch yeah, Memento is if somebody <laughs> takes all the clips and puts them in chronological order, you know, that's because like, then I would watch Memento. It, the, the beauty of yeah, it you is know, seeing you know what, what would came make Pulp Fiction a lot better. Yeah. If it was linear. <laughs> Do you realize that there's yeah, that if yeah. on on the on the DVD for Memento, it takes you a while to find it because it, the, the 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 DVD is harder to figure out. The puzzle of the DVD is harder to figure out than the actual movie. But if you do crack it, it you get you gain access to the movie recut to be told in yes. linear order. And I remember, yes. I so I finally figured out, and I did it many 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 years ago. And I remember going, "Oh my god, check it out! It fucking works." I knew that because I, I see the, saw the movie in the theater like five times, you know, sitting up, you know, on top of the seat in front of me, going, "Oh man, I love this movie. It's my favorite. It's like one of my all-time favorite movies." Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, I'm not. I am not. Just in case they actually are listening, because you never know. Because they're like, "Wait, you do a podcast? Apparently, you don't see everything I post on Facebook." Um, I'm not knocking the people. Who, hey, if you're watching the show, that's great. Nope. If, if, that's for, just, yeah, if for that's whatever just the reason, way that their cookie crumbles, yeah, right? If, if like, for whatever reason, yeah. If for whatever reason you chose not to watch Breaking Bad when it was on, that's fine too. It, it happens. Okay. I I know people who've gotten I myself included. There's a lot of great shows that maybe I didn't catch till years later. How many people do we all know that didn't watch The Wire for like until it's like <laughs> ten years later or twenty years now? Twenty years right. later, right? It's sure. going to happen. My only point, and I'll get back to the show now. It's what I admire so much and why, what they're losing. It's not the big things where they, they, they probably have heard about and have picked up. It's all the little things and it's all the eerie story parallels, which you really have to have seen the entire series and get, oh, that's very interesting that they're doing that. Oh, look which, at that, whatever. This episode, yeah, and yes. this episode is full of them. Oh, oh I mean, yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah. The, I mean, because now. I mean, the, however, I'll, I'll, the only point I'll give them for watching it after, it will make watching all the scenes that take place in the Super Lab a whole oh lot God. different. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I know. I can't imagine going in, watching that for the first time, and knowing what we know by the end of this episode. Like, Because now, now I yeah, want some, I want. What I want, completely different experience someone, than the rest of us. I want someone to loop in another line of dialogue in which I'm trying to remember which episode it is. It's one of the first it's one of the episodes where um Jesse has been working with Mike and they end up coming back and they to, to get rid of some bodies at the lab and they're doing the whole acid thing. And, and I want I want someone to loop in a line with Michael and like, oh, it's a lot easier what, what we had to do last time we were here or something. And then like stamp on the floor or something. All right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, so at the end of that scene, I gotta mention it. My one of my my favorite of, of all the my everyone's favorite thing about this scene might be the creepiness or the or the tension or this. No, no, no. The best thing in this scene is as Lalo's leaving, he takes the keys and he goes for Taurus, taupe. <laughs> and he just he's, he just has a look. He doesn't and he doesn't even say taupe. He doesn't have that inflection that I just did, but his face yeah. does it. And I, <laughs> it's yeah. like this this. Bizarre comical moment in, in a scene that's anything but comical. Oh, it's so good. He, he is great though. Like he again going back to that 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 cat versus his prey thing. Like just the way he plays with people when he has control of the situation and the sense of humor he has. But like he was so tickled that Kim might have walked out the door without her shoes on. You know, like how funny is this? How hilarious is this that I have you so worked up? That you forgot you were wearing you weren't wearing shoes. 
See, you I know, think- and just these little smiles he gets like this. God, it's just his the acting is never the stuff that's being thrust at you. It's just these like these very small, like crook of the mouth and eyebrow twitch. And it just it well, there's such a soft, deliberate, terrifying energy that he can give out just in such a friendly way (laughs) because the last time he had a face-to-face confrontation with this woman she stood up to him and went about putting him in his place and now she's so scared she's forgetting to put on her shoes as she walks out the door and i also feel just on top of that that the gag of her leaving and forgetting to put on her shoes is echoed when we see him, him later what he does at the laundromat Mm-hmm. Also involves him not wearing shoes. I'm like, oh, right. yep. that's a thing in this episode. And then, then you have, and then you have Howard in his shoes, which means he and doesn't have Howard. his shoes on either. So it's like, okay, there's something about. Did Quentin Tarantino direct this? Is there something about feet here that's <laughs> happening here? Because there's that's like three feet different issue. things that involve taking off shoes and people being in their socks. Am I not? Am I, am I not right? One, two, three. That's crazy. Don't touch the feet. Ugh. What if someone has a? And, and let me say before we move on, I just want to add one thing sure. that it had been just enough time that seeing Howard die again emotionally affected me again. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. I'll get I'll get to being my I'll, I'm going to save that for later. Uh, I love when I do that. So there <laughs> there 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 in the apartment you got and then they have the whole sequence with Jimmy rocking back and forth in the chair while the TV is so loud. I kept going, "Oh man, the TV's so loud." Cuz it was funny cuz in the episode I noticed they jacked it up so loud that I'm watching the t- when I'm watching it I'm like, "Oh, actually I had to lower my TV cuz it's so goddamn loud." <laughs> the chair yeah, topples. It's like when you get the uh, the commercial like discord between the volume of yes. the show and the right. and the commercial. Yeah. Well, it's also, we're it's like, all, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, well, for well, me, let's I bring find, that down. I actually find it interesting that different streaming services are at different volume levels. I've noticed yes, that. Yes, they are. And some, because yes. there, so, there are some shows I watch where it's like, wow, that show's really loud. And it's like, I realize, oh, it's everything on this streaming. I think like Paramount, if I'm not mistaken, I think Paramount Plus stuff is really loud or, or, or HBO Max you stuff bet. is really loud, whatever it is. Um, he, when he comes crashing down, there's that, I love that way they kind of, uh, not choreographed, just the way they framed the shot of um, basically mm. um, Jimmy and Howard, you know, kind of, not, not, not sort of face to face and the way they're both lying there. It, it's kind of this weird, poignant, sad, just bizarre kind of thing. I really got a kick out of well, it. Well, and it, again, it's a repeated imagery with this, with this show and Breaking Bad. Like, how many times have we seen somebody have to, like, literally face the consequence of their action yep. by staring a corpse straight in the eye while they're laying on the ground? Exactly. Uh, it's it's happened, what, at least three or four different times. Right. Yeah. Um, but having to face, like, literally face what you have done for however long amount of time he's laying there helpless... And he's already reeling from his desert experience. This is this is an important moment. We have all these conversations and these action-packed moments where you go, oh, this is going to change Jimmy into Saul. It's this shit. Like, right here. He's facing Howard. And you know while he's in, looking at Howard's corpse, he's thinking about Kim. He's thinking about Chuck. It's all coming around. And it's probably circling at high speed. Right. Um, I would say it absolutely is impacting him. I think 
at this point, while the trauma would still be there to whatever extent, I, I think this kind of uh, maxes out the, the desert thing, which which at this point has been some time has passed because this thing with Howard has been going, their plot with him has been going on for 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 a little while now. Um, and we can get into this more at the end when we finish the episode, but my thing is as far as the whole, cause I guess everyone's thing, one of everyone's thing is when's he actually going to be Saul? Cause we have, you know, obviously he's going by the name Saul Goodman when he's practicing and we keep seeing these moments where like, Oh, that's kind of like he's, he's yeah. Saul Goodman now. Oh, but now he isn't. Oh, now he is. Now he isn't. I'll just say, uh, I can say it now. I don't need to wait till later. It's my belief and maybe you agree, probably you do, I don't know, that this is the domino that impacts their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I yep. think it's going to be how that, because that this is going to, like, I think it's going to cause that relationship to to, to implode in one way or another. However it happens. Yeah. We, you know, and I think that, boom, is what then is the final thing that really gets him into Saul Goodman land. And in that sense, being someone who's not going to open himself up to care about others the way he had before, the way he has with her. Yeah. Because we don't... Yeah, 100%. Because we never... Because the closest we ever come to that during the entire run of Breaking Bad is in that one moment when he... And it's really just him thinking that Jesse can talk to his girlfriend himself. Why is he doing it on his behalf? You know, that's the... To me, unless unless I'm forgetting something, I don't remember another moment on Breaking Bad. There is. There's... There's one other moment we got with him, and I think it's really important because I think it pulls back to where we're heading right now. Okay. Um, I do not remember what episode it is, but he is talking to Walt after Walt is trying to reason with Skylar. And he's he's Walt is worried about what the future is with Skylar. And there's a line that Saul says, something along the lines of, like, just don't hang yourself in the closet. And then he goes and sits in his car and it's quiet and he like really looks emotional and on his own. Interesting. Okay. All right. Hmm. I got to think about that. You're giving me something to think about. I'm going to stop the podcast now. Fuck you. Anyway. And I, I, I want I want to geek out for a second. The, the, the beauty of Gilligan's direction. Mm-hmm. The one thing that stood out to me in the midst of this scene with all the tension is there was that one really jarring moment where somehow the camera was like GoPro to the chair and it moved in unison with the chair when Lalo slid the chair out Yes, and, and sort of like was another thing to add to you being jarred in the scene. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything shot in that apartment, the way they shot the gun at the back of Jimmy's head when Lalo's looking out the window. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Gilligan's direction just kept the tension <laughs> And kept you jarred the whole time. You were off balance the whole scene. Yeah, he definitely. Those were those little touches he put in there to make it just that much more artistic and cinematic than than just shooting it kind of like straight on standard. So yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. He's Gilligan has shown time and time again, and this goes back obviously to Breaking Bad that um, for someone who's you know just a writer, he's become probably if not the most skilled director of the of, of both series. He's Pretty close to it. He might be. I mean, and that's no, no, no. All due respect to like Michelle McLaren and, and folks like, and even when Thomas Schnauz did his thing. Uh, oh, congratulations to Thomas Schnauz got a writing Emmy nomination for um, 
plan an execution today, by the way. Because everyone's going to be talking about the actors. I'm like, oh, let's give the writer some, some love, because that's what I do. Okay. Well, and I, I, again, just really quick on that camera work. I'm sorry, Scott. I know you had to move this forward, but I just wanted to just kind of piggyback off of what Brian was saying. One of the things that is always just absolutely floored me with Breaking Bad and and with Better Call Saul is the ability to make camera work insist that you be a part of the scene. Um, and there's there's these 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 old tricks that we used to have. I mean, like even if you just go back into like the early 2000s, a show like a lot of Showtime shows and HBO shows was they were really like experimenting with ways of getting the audience to kind of be a part of the emotion that a character was going through in a different creative manner. Um, Queer as Folk, like the original U.S. version of Queer as Folk was a great one. If somebody went through something shocking, there was like this really wiggly tight zoom that happened. And there's just, there's all these little tricks of the trade that now we just, we see so often that we kind of take it for granted that there was a time we didn't have have this very clear um, psychological way to pull people in with imagery uh, to to the extreme that we do now. But these, oh man, you get you get into any of these Breaking Bad episodes, you get into any Better Call Saul episode, and there is at least one. I don't want to say trick, but there's one camera trick. There's one trade that they're turning that is just like whether it be shooting from the bottom of a blender. Um, or following with a chair, or following a garage door, or shooting. I mean, everybody has seen that shot, like, since Goodfellas, right? Where you're looking up out of the trunk to the person, the, to the baddies that have got you. But these guys have a way of going, okay, everyone has seen that shot. So instead of showing it from that point of view, let's show it from the view of the muffler. And all we see is the feet while they're talking, uh, which mimics the idea of being blindfolded. Right. But recognizing the voices, the fact that they can keep doing this every couple of episodes and throw something new in that we haven't seen before is level genius. And and this is an ass kick, ass kissing. It's just it. it, Every couple of episodes, they pull something. I'm like, holy crap. Why? Why have we been doing this for the last how many years of cinema? This is amazing. The most interesting directors, and you can go all the way back to the 30s and 40s, are those who devise or divine different ways of showing something um, that we'd never seen shot from that angle, through that wall, through that sign, whatever. You know, you can go back to every inventive shot, every other moment of Citizen Kane, right through to Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So I love there's always going to be a tradition of the truly... Um, genius level or near t- or, or damn near to it uh, for the cinematography and directing of things because it's you know it's the director for, either it's the the director or the or the guy who's actually holding the camera um, usually the, the cinematographer um, they're the ones who deserve the credit um, and you're you're always aware of it but it's not in a way where it gets in the way of the story it's telling yes. the story and that's what makes it work so well so when you see again it it, it, it it so every time you can think of something kind of monumental we, we, well, movies are easy or it's easy to remember because they're like they're massive everyone remembers the first time you yeah. saw like that giant tracking shot whether it be you know orson welles doing in touch of evil or scorsese doing it in goodfellas or or whatever or or paul thomas anderson doing it in boogie nights whatever you always remember it, you know, or Altman's uh, The Player or something. Uh, with a show like this, it's all the things you mentioned, like, oh, that's an, that's an interesting, 
angle. I, the, the fact that someone had to figure out, like, they storyboard, like, oh, let's, sh-, like you said, like, let's shoot from the bottom of a blunder. I've not seen that shot yep. that way before. Yep. Because the, the art of it is whether it's something that just makes you just slightly feel off kilter, slightly unsettled, or it's something where you find beauty in something that would not be normally seen that way. Um, and, and again, it's all about telling a story. So telling story through visuals, this is a show. Um, and I, again, it's one of the reasons why this, and, and I link the two of them together, uh, this and Breaking Bad are heads and tails above most, if not all other shows, is as well written as they are as far as dialogue and, and things of that nature. They could work beautifully as silent films, quite frankly. They, the composition yeah. of the shots is all the things you guys have mentioned with the angles and, and, and the, the camera tricks and all that. It's like, and you get it. Um, I, you know, that's why I love the fact that at the end of this, towards the end, the, the big, the big scene, most of that scene is done in another language. And we, you know, you have to read the subtitles if you don't speak Spanish or something. And I like that they did almost the entire thing that way. And then they went back to English because, you know, I'm not really sure why they probably should have stayed in Spanish, but whatever. Reel them back in, reel them back in. <laughs> All right. So, oh boy. So Kim. Kim, after I, I'll call it a non-moment with police at a streetlight, uh, that's when Kim arrives at Gus's house. <laughs> and, you know, you see her, she's, she gets a little camera and the gun from the glove compartment. She's walking to the front door. And, you know, and again, here's where the folks who haven't seen Breaking Bad is like, see, you, admit, you didn't yes. get this. It's like, because those of us who are Breaking Bad fans were all like, oh, Lord, this is Walt walking to Gus's front door. Yep. It's like, is yep. she going to get 38 a... 38 snub. I squealed. I was like, I know this one. It's like, it's like but, but, Mike, but Mike doesn't have... Does she, she doesn't have a phone on her. Mike can't call her. What's, what's going to happen? You know what? He's not going to call her. He's going to grab her. But before the seconds before that happens, when she rings the bell... She rings the bell, right? She doesn't knock. She thinks she yep. rings the bell. And, she te- and she's got the gun out and she's shaking... It's the little things I love. I love that we're just, we've just got the, it's dark. We've got the, you know, the light. Apparently, I'm surprised that he doesn't have, um, what do you, you guys live in houses? I, uh, so do I, but I don't, what do you call the Blood light lots, that goes security on? Security lights. Yeah, I'm surprised there aren't lights that go on when someone approaches the house because, you know, it just seems like they would have that. Um, but I love when you see the peephole change. The color, you know, which mm-hmm. means, you know, yeah. I know it's just someone, you know, it's looking there. through, but I just love it because it's just this one little white dot and then it just goes dark. And that's what, you know, and right there you think, oh, fuck is about to happen. And that's when Mike grabs her and just drags her inside. And we you know, and of course it's, oh my God, I forgot what commercials are like. God damn, we're going to a commercial now. Uh. I also, I also loved it because uh, without ever having to pull the trigger, you knew she was going to pull the trigger. Oh, yeah. Like oh, you yes. knew, you knew. Like anybody, you knew Mike was gonna. You knew that Mike was gonna get her, but like, she was gonna pull the trigger. Oh, absolutely. So after that, we're, we're, now we're on the inside, and we and we see that Gus is watching them on monitors. This is like when Mike and the crew they're they're basically standing around, they're trying to get the four one one and everything that's been that's happening. I and and we all obviously we all know what's been going on. I just love her being, even though she, obviously she's frightened out of her mind. She thinks she's only got 15 or 20 minutes before Lalo decides to shoot Jimmy and then so on. But I love she points out and she yells at Mike that you said you were watching us. Yeah. And, and we realize he, he was and then he wasn't. And, and, I, and it goes to what we were talking about the last 
couple podcasts uh, when last time we were doing Better Call Saul. It's like Mike is fallible, dudes. He's he's he gets yeah. he's he's fallen for a bunch of tricks already. You know that, and I'll say that almost undercuts watching Breaking Bad after because you don't really think that about Mike up until that one moment with Walt. You know when they get with the um, right. At the end of season three, I don't want to spoil it because they haven't watched it. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Someone killed somebody. It. Ten years uh, later. <laughs> yeah, right. But on the same note, yep. you did never. We never saw that Gus got frazzled. Oh, well, this know? this. I'll just say it now because because obviously yeah, as I go through it, we're going to keep bouncing back and forth. It's also my belief, and I think again, I think you guys will agree and probably articulate it better than I will. That this is a formative, informative, and milestone. Is milestone the right word? It's probably not the right word. It's an episode for Gus that I think everything for Gus changes from this episode on. And I think, and all the things you saw, because remember, here's the funny thing, because we're, even though we've been watching Gus Fring on this show for the last few seasons, right? But we also have the memory of Gus Fring that we saw for a couple of seasons of Breaking Bad. That yes. informed the way we view that character already. So that wa- that's why it was that much more surprising when we saw him start to act in a way that was frazzled, as you say, when he starts make, be, making like rash decisions, which is not something we had, generally speaking, we had seen him do for the most part in Breaking Bad. Right. For a little bit once. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But I think this is what happens here. The whole Lalo the, the Lalo storyline and how it, what it culminates in here. I think from this point on is what changes the way he is and the way he goes about things. And I think that it, it, it oddly enough, it almost emboldens him because if you think about how he is during that whole scene, because he's scared, he's shaking. Mm-hmm. He may not. He may not. Mm-hmm. He may not be as ter- he, he may not come off as terrified as say you know Kim and Jimmy are, but he's certainly he, you know he he's not calm and collect either. He's not Mike here, you know. No. But he gets. But this but is what I, gets. I him also there. think he's a little a little stubborn. You know, he's he's a little stubborn. He's a little headstrong. He doesn't want to sit in hiding. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be taken out, but I think there's a little part of him with pride, you know, that's like I shouldn't be cowering. No, but I, I think this. I think that this was the one enemy he had that got to him, that got, cl- and also was able to get close to him the way Lala do that we that we don't really see with you know the other cartel members that happen later right. on and so on, or whatever. But I think this also. So it number one. It gave him. It, it's almost like a confidence builder, so to speak. And the fact is, even with, <laughs> yeah. even with, even oh, totally skipping ahead, but who cares? Because we all saw it. Even with all these reams and reams of security men and and factors and tunnels and this and at the end of the day, what happens? He does it himself. He kills the guy yep. himself. He t- yeah. and he takes bullets himself as well. You know, in it, mostly in his vest and whatever is going on in his kidney area there. Um, so I, I think it all. So seeing that happen here, so then you fast forward to Breaking Bad, where is it? There's that scene where the sniper's shooting at him, and he just, you know, he just starts walking towards the sniper with his arms outstretched, yeah. like he's, you know, like he's summoning the White Walkers or something like that. And you realize 
this scene here and what, what he, yep. what he accomplishes here is what emboldens him to do that there, you know? Yes. And, and he probably doesn't face another super mega intelligent enemy until Walt uh, of that level of intellect that really right. Lalo, I mean, in that whole world, there's no better intellect combined with violence than Lalo. Right. And so, I mean, he took out the apex predator. Now he's the apex predator. Yeah. It's like when it's like watching the Jurassic Park movie. It's the Tyrannosaurus Rex fighting the the, the even bigger one, whatever. But in, at least in the preview, but who ends up winning in the end? It's the Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, he's he's the T Rex of the show. Sorry, you know, Lala yeah. was Lala yeah. was the new flavor, but at the end of the day, T Rex still <laughs> the still new flavor. <laughs> he's a new flavor, and, and, Dino. Dino. And, and let me Dino? say, we're talking about parallels. In this episode, there's a parallel to full measure that somebody's sending someone to kill someone and that most of that action, it, it's sort of almost like a parallel with an inverse that that sort of originates from the lab to outside the lab. And this starts outside the lab and ends up inside the lab. Ends up in a nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. All right. All right. All right. Spot on motherfucker. All right. So we get back to the <laughs> All right, so what's going on in the episode at this point? Um, Mike, they're sending men to the condo, including pulling men off the laundry. And that is when we realize what Lalo's plan really is, because that's where he's taking Jimmy's car. Um, somehow, you know, it's my little snarkiness. Somehow he just has the amazing good timing to be at that little spot where he's fucking around with the, the, the family and gets in right at the moment where the guy happens to not see him on camera. So a little, I know, right? So Lalo's got a Lalo's got a little devilish angel on his shoulder because that's that's a little bit of luck there. It's a little bit of luck. That bit. was years of practice, you know, in his <laughs> gymnastic classes as a youth. He knew so, how to be stealth, get over that fence at the right timing. So you realize that then again, this is where you realize, okay, he's doing this here because he just his original plan was to get into the laundry to begin with. Now he's gone through all this. And he's still going to be accomplishing that because he wants to get the goods on the whole super lab and, and expose Gus to right. Don Eladio and the cartel and so on and so forth. So we bounce back to Gus. Here's a question. I, I know what the answer is, but I'd rather hear you. What do you say? The moment when he's in this line, there's this, I feel there's a significance to Gus getting rid of his tie. I think that I personally think that's significant. I see your face, Jamie. See, that's why we have video. So now that, now that bullshit, you just like a name on a screen today. Finally, she got a video. Uh, on video. <laughs> fancy, I've done it! Fancy, fancy Brian's here. Do you have, now, if I ask you what the significance, do you, do, do you think you got, you think you got a good answer for me? I think you do. Well, here's my answer, whether it's good or not. Here's my answer. Pop quiz. Do you know when he takes off his tie? Takes off his tie. When he decides he needs to scrub the fryer. When he's got to get in, he's got to do the work him damn self. He takes off the tie. Exactly. When, he, when he's got to take care of business himself, he's not showing it off to someone else to do. That's, yep. Yeah. And that, I, I, I thought that was interesting when I noticed him doing it. I was like, okay. Because otherwise, there's literally no reason for him to take off the tie. 
because he's remaining. Everything else, it's not like he's changing his outfit because we know we've seen Gus change his outfit to do certain things. You know, like you know, because he's got to put on his killing clothes and stuff. But just <laughs> <laughs> <his> killing smocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, oh, but he's very deliberate. Right. I mean, yes, and he's very precise and that and controlled mm-hmm. and. Any action Gus takes has a ritualistic meaning to it, to him. Yes. Yes, he is a man of ritual. Like, I think that is a great way to describe uh, his methodology. Everything has a ritual. There is a right and there is a wrong way. And there is, there's nothing in between. Well, everything he does is, is based on, you know, an ever... An ever continuing schedule in his mind everything is based on certain rituals and having things done a certain way whether it's him the way he manages hermanos, or how he handles the drug trade or how he deals with people um so yeah absolutely he's i mean he's he's the that was that was always one of the interesting things that kind of in a weird way was something he sort of had in common with someone like walt they're both. They were both very circumspect about things, and were very rigid. Yep. And because it was their way, that was that was the manifestation of how they both would try to control things. That's what, and that's you know. So that's why. Yeah. Anyway, and and Guess was largely successful in that world because all of his competitors would let emotions make that make mistakes, yep. Yep. and he very much treated everything business-like like you know try to remove as much emotion from it as possible and be business-like and that's why he became so successful yeah yeah absolutely so it's at this point gus um places a call because he's still got those monitors on and everything and uh Oh, his boy Victor is there. Oh, Victor. <laughs> always, always like, wait, who's worse, Victor or Tyrus? Victor or Tyrus? Yeah. Oh, this time it's Victor. <laughs> he has Victor put uh, Kim on the phone because he, want, you know, he wants her to tell him why uh, Lalo sent, uh, sent, sent her or whatever. She goes through the whole thing. But what's significant, and this is, I was going to sort of kind of disagree with something you said earlier, Jamie, but I said, you know what, it's just, it was just a phrasing thing. I don't, I don't think you actually believe what you yeah. said. Because I think... Again, we're talking about things that are significant. The tie thing is significant for the episode and just a character thing. What I'm about to bring up right now is significant for this and Breaking Bad. I think it's immensely significant. It's when Gus repeats what she said, when he repeats the line, he talked him out of it. Out of it. I think that is immensely significant because I think it's that and knowing what this man, and by man I mean Jimmy, a.k.a. Saul in the future, what he's actually capable of. Because otherwise, if you think about it, why would he continue? As we know, because Saul Goodman, that's, th- that's a few years from now, that whole thing, what we, when we get to in Breaking Bad. Why else would he allow, and I mean allow, Mike to act on Saul's behalf as if he was his own PI or whatever, when in fact... He's Gus's guy who does, you know, who, who helps Saul here and there, but he would not allow that otherwise. The fact that, and because, you know, I think that Saul will, even if they will never interact necessarily, because I believe, as we see in um, another episode, that they have never, am I correct about that? They've never, yeah, they never interacted, right? 
they never interact. That's yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that I think this is significant for him, him allowing that uh, relationship to continue and even become perhaps even useful to him. Because at the end of the day, that's what ends up getting him to Walter White. It's that relationship between Mike and Saul to him, whatever bring bring gets us to Walter White and Jesse working for him and all that other stuff. So I okay, think, yeah, and I can't, I can't dis, I cannot disagree with that at all. Obviously, because it's clear that that's where the story leads. Um, I I would say though that I feel like it almost acted as a as a double double meaning um, because yes we have that that was his version of Lalo realizing that Saul was a cockroach right except for in this case it's like how can that benefit me um, but I also kind of think the moment of repeating it the fact that he repeats the statement he talks him out of it it is. To me, it immediately flashed me to the point when he's in the restaurant and he's talking about the curly fries. And suddenly he has this, his intuition hits and says, I know where Lalo is. Right? right? It's that same kind of thing where it was like, aha, because you don't talk Lalo out of things. Exactly. There's a reason, there's a reason that he talked Lalo out of things is because there's this other thing going on. Aha, we've been duped. He's at the lab. <laughs> I feel uh, like it was maybe because I of those think things. That was the epiphany he had, yes. But I think, Scott, what you're getting at or hinted at earlier is I do think that seeing that Jimmy had done that and still had inspired this woman was loyal yes. to him and showed up there to do it that that she didn't bail, you know, like she had a chance to not pull up to his house, but she did and she showed up that she that they still could have got to him if he wasn't careful and but Lalo had this other plan. I think there is a grudging admiration for what he believes Jimmy did to make it happen to at least inspire Kim to show up willing to shoot him. Right. And yeah. And Jamie, I I absolutely I I didn't I I my bad for just looking fast forward into the future, not for this specific episode. Yeah, that is the moment where he realizes that if this someone like himself is not going to be talked out of what a major component of their plan, unless that's not really what their plan is, and that's what makes him leads him to go to the laundromat because, like, okay, this, this, it was never about this. That's the other thing. Let and that's what leads him to go there. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You're obviously absolutely right on that. Um, I'm just saying for the future, I think it's important. But but he still recognizes yeah, he still recognizes exactly. a uh, a good audible by you know he still recognizes that that Jimmy under the circumstances being a civilian pulled a good audible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm it, I. This is one of the only times I can recall that this person, this Jimmy person is even really brought up to Gus to any extent. I mean, I know Mike, I, I, I do know Mike, it makes tell when he tells him what had happened, like in the dead, whatever, obviously he's taught, he's made reference to him, but this is a, a story more centric about, you know, uh, what Jimmy had done and why she's actually there. Anyway, the condo at the condo, we have, we you know, we see this, there's sniper sitting up outside and all the men are following Mike and Tyrus into the building. I don't understand how not one neighbor sees any of this going on. Well, whatever. it's because it's because Mike said the line, otherwise they would have seen him. But Mike said, we don't want to spook the neighbors. 
Right. And that so, was enough. So That's they, all it took. That was that, that was that was Mr. <laughs> that was that was Mr. Gordon Smith covering himself on that one. If he says this line, we're fine. We're, if he says this line, and then we're, we're fine. No, no, has to rhyme because we're right. Zero plot and, holes. And, and, let, and let, let me ask a question here: to, to be one of the minor, to be one of the minor uh, complaints about this episode, I know Mike took some men. But did it seem like he took a lot more men than went away in that truck and went with him from the house? It yeah, seemed like it seemed like he had like two city blocks covered by people, and then <laughs> all those people are in place, and then he starts walking towards the house, and these other dudes pop in behind him like he has a small army. It seemed like there were a lot of men there. Well, I think he. I think there was a lot of them that were just needing a ride home, and he like probably dropped him off on the way to the lab. Until he got down to like four, you know, the four best. It's the Pagos Hermanos uh, ride share. I think it was an unexpected. Yes. Yeah. I, I think I think we're all just ignoring the fact that it turns out there's actually a sci-fi element at work here that we weren't aware of, and they're just just massively mul- yes. multiplying yes. like something out of the Matrix when we we just like Agent it. Smith, Absolutely. yeah, exactly, Agent Mike. <laughs> so uh, anyway, meanwhile. Uh, Spidey, I, I call him Spidey Sense Gus. Uh, he pulls up at the laundry with some of his men. Um, but when they're inside, Gus does notice there's something something kind of off about that slow-moving exhaust fan up there. So, what's going on with that? And next thing you know, Lalo gets the drop on all four of the other dudes. And he's in his socks, as I said. Because <laughs> you know, he's a kitty cat. That's what kitty cats would be in their socks. Meow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um... Didn't have a note about it, but I'll just say it. So, but I just like doing this kind of stupid shit. The moment Lala was there and has Gus, I was already like, I went, yes, we're going to get to that fucking gun finally. <laughs> we're finally going to get to the gun. That's all I could think of. We're getting to the gun. We're getting to the gun. Because this is, the, this is unfortunately, again, it's still a great episode. I'm not taking away from it at all. But maybe I am. It does. If it's it's not a flaw, it's like you can't avoid it. We know Gus is going to be okay. We know. Yeah. There's no way around it. Yeah. So once we're here, the the thing that I kept thinking was, and I maybe see if you guys agree with me because I know I'm jumping the jumping the gun, but <laughs> why not? Um, I went, oh shit! It's like it's it's just like when we were all surprised when they came back for the second half of Breaking Bad, or whatever, back in the final season. They're getting to this a lot faster than I thought they were yeah. going to do. I didn't. I thought this Lalo thing was yeah. going to go on for a few more episodes at least. But you know, like back then, I didn't think Hank and Walt were going to have a confrontation in the first damn episode back. But here I was like going, and my first thought was like, wait a minute, because I kept thinking if he's there and the gun's there, I don't see how they're not killing Lalo. And then I'm like, there's going to be five more episodes. What are they going to do? <laughs> is, is it just going to be about Jimmy yeah. Kimmy being all screwed what, up about what? Howard? What's beautiful about that, and I think we said something similar in an earlier episode about Nacho, is that when you know what's happening to the the main protagonists of Breaking Bad or the bat- baddies in Breaking Bad, is your question normally would be watching this show, like, and the people that haven't watched Breaking Bad wouldn't know this, but we do. It's it's like, well, we okay, we know Gus is okay. So then our minds is like, oh shit, is Lalo going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it and and, right. and it flips in that moment that traditionally you'd be worried about Gus if if you were watching the yeah. show, right. Right. but now you're really well, worried about Lalo. Not, not and I don't mean worried in in a moral sense, but like 
like you say, like this character who is just delightful and you're like, is something going to go bad? How's this going to end? Or is, is this the end of Lalo? And then that creates that tension. Right, right. Absolutely. What's interesting, it's like, uh, it's funny when, when you have these two and, you know, we're, we're, we're practically there already. Um, I was thinking about it as I'm watching. I was like, it's interesting because unless I'm mistaken, I, putting aside that, you know, because we all have this great, affection for the Lalo character because he's so well portrayed and blah blah absolutely and everyone's right about that and you know what I'm going to say we all really we all freaking love Giancarlo Esposito too and we've and so we have a very special place in our heart for the Gus Fring character I mean he's evil and scary and all the other stuff blah 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 and and cult whatever but it's a great character but they're both monsters we're we're basically (laughs) it's basically it's King Kong versus Godzilla here or whatever or it's Freddy versus Jason if you want to go kill it it's like I'm not sure which one of these guys I'm supposed to be rooting for. And that's what I was saying. It's almost too bad. Forget almost. It's too bad that I already know. Well, I know Gus survived because, duh, Breaking Bad. Because I would almost, if the, if we didn't have that, it would be like, oh, I would be like, I don't I don't know who to root for here. Wait, I, I think I root for Gus because of the Mike connection and I love Mike so much, maybe? That's the only I can't think of another reason why. Because otherwise I'd really like Lalo. Anyway, speaking of Mike. Mike is uh, there. With, when they get to Jimmy's, I love the, you know, uh, before he takes the gag off, so keep your voice down. Keep your voice. Yep. Because he just needs to know where Salamanca went. And he needs to know how long he's been gone. Obviously, he hasn't given much. Inf- he doesn't give him any great information, but I think Mike starts to, I think he still picks up on it. I think is it th- at this point, he tries to call him. And we see that Gus's phone is vibrating, whatever, and Lyle just basically tosses it aside, whatever. And that's when you realize, oh, he's recording this all on video for Don Eladio. We're going to go on a tour. We're going to go on a tour of the constru- the Super Lab construction site. And that's where, like, if, if there's anyone who forgot, like, oh, we are going to get to that gun. All right. I, I love little... Yeah. And go ahead. don't forget about the pad down. The pad down is great because there's just that one little moment where he pat oh pat again yep you're wearing a bulletproof vest okay we're gonna keep the pat down i I loved it because we got to see him dressing and i don't know about you guys i think i might have said something about it when we were on that first episode where we actually saw him putting on his shirt and stuff and we first saw him wearing the vest and he had the knife on his leg and i just thought it was so interesting like how He's just, he's already in the mode of, I got to protect myself. I can't walk out the door without something like this on. Right. Uh, and so we, we got to go back to that, like, see, he knew, he knew he needed to be wearing it. And, and what we see, what we see from the moment he interacts with Gus until he walks him down the stairs is we see that Lalo really did figure it all out. Like, he says, like, like, oh, well, and, and his man will be here in nine minutes. Like, he, he's figured out the time it takes to get from Gus's house to there. He's figured out, like, like he, he, he tells Gus, basically, he knows the Germans did the dig. Yep. You, you know, like, you see, like, Lalo really is reveling and saying, look, Mr. Smarty Pants, like, you know, I, I figured it all out. Okay, before before we go any further, since you just inspired me, uh, so congratulations on that, because you guys usually don't. Um, did that remind you of anything? Did it remind you of anything that we saw very recently? I'll do it. 
I'll say it. Come on, Brian, you got you it. You do it. You do it. It reminded me of Howard. Basically, figure he's he he figured everything mm-hmm. out, right? Because everything he right. said that when he when he when he reads yep. he, he was one hundred percent every correct. last thing he got it he got it he got it. And he, he was even right when he was going nuts at the law firm, but he went through it all. But he was yeah. calm or whatever. It was like, look, the, their entire plan has already been been has been laid bare. And when so when um, Lalo is going through all this, how he's been able to work everything out, you know, he's showing off. It's a little because both these men have ego, you know, and Lala Press more than. But he's, but he, but he wants to, you know, he wants to make the chicken man feel small here, and by doing that, someone who thinks they're so above it all and so uh, more smart, think they they're the smartest person in the room, he's proving like, yeah, you're not. I I, I right. got all this. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm yeah. about to expose he, you before I fucking murder you. That yeah, that and, and that's a really playing. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. I was gonna say. And that's a really great parallel that Howard and Lala are the two that did it. Like, yes, that, that's yeah. why I think that's very interesting because yeah. of what ends up happening, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, again, the the writer and me, I just I always love a line that just I just like that line. I just like the way it falls. I love when he says, "A big machine hides a big secret." I just I don't know why. Yeah. I just really because I start thinking he's being obviously there's being literal. As far as the actual machine there, mm-hmm. the dryer, whatever the hell it is, whatever. But also in a more figurative sense, you know, the, the mechanics, you know, the, the, almost like a carpet machine, the machine of what Gus does is like, it's in this, whole, this whole, his whole operation is hiding a much bigger secret yes. of, of the drug trade. Yes. So I just, I, I just yes. love it. I also love that he also sh- just, just for the fuck of it shoots him in his fucking body armor. Yeah. <laughs> just to do yeah, it. Yeah. But, but just. let me say, like, as we're on the end of the road for here for Lalo, that, that, one of the just small flourishes of what we love about Lalo is when he, you know, he's figured it all out, but he doesn't quite know how to get into the lab and he has Gus open the lab <laughs> and he's, he's like, Oh, I had a tub that did that, but this is a, oh, like, yeah. this is That's way right. cooler. Like, right. Basically right. yeah. that, that like that sort of, you see that, that gleeful glint yes. of Lalo. Yes. That, that That's what makes him such a great villain. And you and I don't know. We probably have seen we've seen that open, but I don't know we've ever seen the full mechan uh, the full uh, mechanics of that with it sliding up. If we have, it's only been maybe once or twice. But seeing it in that setting and Lalo discovering it, it 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 was a great touch. That was the only thing Lalo hadn't figured out was how to get get in there. I, I um I think we I think we there's at least one major moment where we kind of see it um unfold so to speak in um Breaking Bad which would make sense that they would they would at least at one point show show us that since that's what they're using to get in and out of the place all the time but I think when they first show it I think we see it because I I just remember there being a, a look or an expression on Walt's face as a result of it um, whether it's shot in more detail here or not that that's very possible that I don't remember. Um, well, and in that same in that same sequence, uh, just again, since we're we're saying goodbye goodbye to Lalo, just that uh, brilliance of his of his of his ability to play with his prey and his his sense of humor about the whole thing, like you said, you know, one second he's laughing, he's got the camera out, and he's like your buddy at the bar, right? He's like the guy sitting next to you, sharing drinks, buying you a shot. You're laughing about crap that's happened to you in your youth. And then the next sudden he's shooting you. <laughs> he's, he's literally shooting you for the camera to show off 
what he can do and how serious he is. Then you're, he's walking through the mechanics of this. And again, he's your friend, he's your buddy, and he's laughing. How cool is this? This is something. This is really something. And you walk around the corner and then he kicks you down the stairs. And that was a and great just, shot. That damn, to go from his, the video camera, the videotape yes. shot to guest hitting the floor. Another little great. I, I got to tell you, I felt like him kicking him down the stairs said way more than shooting him in the vest did. Like that was just like that would have pissed me off more. It might not have hurt as much, but that's what would have pissed me off. But this, he just, he has this ability to do this high roll and then come down and calm the waters and then this high roll and calm the waters. Uh, and it is so freaking abusive. <laughs> it's just so abusive. And, but that's why this character has always been so fun to watch because it's, it's like a tidal wave. We go back to the waves. It's just this wave that comes in and out with him constantly. Can, how deep, is, how far in is that wave going to take you? Can, can I just say as, and, and I know Scott has a really salient point, but I want to make one of my stupid points that, that I think is funny is that the key in breaking bad to not die is to not figure out everything that's going on. Like if you're Hank, <laughs> You figure it out, you're dead. Right. If you're Lalo, yep. you figure yep. it out, you're dead. If you're Howard, yep. you figure it out, yep. you're dead. Like, just stay ignorantly blissful of everything and you might survive. Okay. If you figure shit out, you're dead. Chuck. Yeah, yeah Chuck. Yeah. yeah. Yep, you're right. exactly. You're right. it's, it's like being the moral compass of other shows, right? Like yeah. you just don't be the smart person in the room. Exactly. Right. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I... Generally, yeah, I, I, I agree to whatever degree I should be agreeing with you guys on this one as far as Lalo is concerned. <laughs> um, the only thing is I, I just I, – I don't read the scenes quite in the same fashion. No, I, I read – from Lalo's perspective, yes. Lalo is absolutely yeah. doing everything you already said as far as he's regarding him as he's toying with him. It's his prey, blah, blah, blah. All that's true. Our perspective on it, the viewer – is not that where it would be with another character because of the aforementioned, we know Gus is okay because of breaking yep. number one, number two, we know there's a gun down there. Number yes. two. So it's, it's the, I've, I've, I've used this phrase a million times on the podcast and I'll make it the million one, the million and one month first time. Wow. Can't, can't speak. Um, the gun is the ticking bomb in the scene. Uh, yeah. because we're, I mean, you could say he's giving him a, because everything else as far as him recording him and all the other stuff is in, in, in him, him extending that. It's like, no, but we're waiting for the gun. That's the thing we're waiting for. I mean, it's, it's, it, what is it? What is it that Danny still always bring up? It's check, you know, the, the checkoffs gun, whatever. Um, yeah. We're wait. We're, that's what we're waiting for here. So it, in a way, it's, it makes the, the, the way we're perceiving Lalo very interesting because we're like, yeah, you think you're you're in control, and you you know, but we know that we're we're actually a step ahead of Lalo, which normally we're not, and that's kind of interesting. It's an interesting perspective to have here. Now, and you're absolutely right. him pushing him is it's an amazing moment. Uh, it's the idea because going back to what we we're talking about as far as Gus is concerned, because I keep bringing it back to Gus instead of Lalo, because <laughs> Gus is going to be around in the next episode, Lalo won't be. Um, <laughs> so, 
someone like Gus being pushed into the dirt, yeah, I think is really something, you know. And we and we get and it's right in our and it's much like it's in his face. It's right in our face. It's it, right in, you know in the foreground of the camera shot, whatever. And we're like, we've never seen this with Gus before. You know, other than maybe when he was poolside when his partner was killed way back when in, in that Armanos right. episode. That's as close as we ever got to that. So it, it's just, it's very interesting. Now, getting, when, he, when he's down there, he gets up and I think um, he's, he's videotaping him. And it looks like this is where he's, he's going he's gonna to kill him. And, but, he want, but, but he has something more he wants to say. He I does. Lo- I love... <laughs> That what I felt is like obviously I mean we know because of gun etc whatever why he's doing it just from a plotting point of view, but I love that he's borrowing a page from Nacho's book, just much like Nacho in his last moments is gonna yep. tell everybody just what those these these fuckers exactly what they think of them. He's he's using this just to just to spout off about the Salamancas and Don Eladio or whatever. Even though technically he he knows if he can get to that gun, Don Eladio's never gonna see any of this. Because, you know, if this was modern day, this would be FaceTime. This would this would be live streaming. But, you know, it's a good thing it's like two thousand seven or eight or whatever year. Oh, two thousand four? It's two thousand four, I think. Anyway, yep. I love Gus Going all in when he's he's ripping apart, <laughs> he's ripping apart Don Eladio. What does he call him? Like a like a bloated pimp or something? Yeah, a, a, a bloated pig. yeah, bloated whore. <laughs> yeah, and and then called him all. You know, referred to him as being a whore to him. And I mean, he pulled out all the stops. Like like anything you could say that was degrading to him, he was like, "Here you go." <laughs> I ha- I have. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you at all. I just. I have one question because it's referring to something that Gus says in this uh, scene that I got I was confused by, and I'm and if I'm and if I'm forgetting something, which means I'm forgetting something pretty. Oh, I just remembered it. God damn it! All right, I'm not going to ask. I just remembered. Oh, thank God, because he would have been looking at me like you. I thought you were supposed to be Mr. Breaking Bad fan. You forgot. I I, I, I forgot. You caught it. yourself. Okay, I'll tell you, know what? Uh, you know what? You know what? I'm Mr. Honesty. I'll tell you what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I feel Ooh, like okay. I'm, Buckle I, up. I am, I'm, you know, I, I am the honest podcaster. That's why we're better than everybody else. Uh, <laughs> see, see how honest I am? Um, when he makes the comment about how he he didn't, he hasn't killed Hector, because he wants to tell Hector that he killed all the Salamanca that's just you left now. And in the moment when he said that, confessing to having obviously a brain fart freeze whatever i was going wait a minute but didn't but but tuco should be okay we never killed tuco and i was like and i forgot like dude you're thinking about i just realized you're thinking about better call saul timeline tuco of course tuco dies in breaking bad spoiler hope you didn't listen to this one It's like that's huge. That that's a, that that screws up Hank for like the rest of the. Se- I just I, I literally forgot. Yep. I was all pretty like, yep. wait, when did he ever kill? Isn't Tuco? I was like, no, oh, no, he's not. But, he is still there. But 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 when he says it, Tuco is still alive. When he says it in two thousand four, Tuco is still alive. He's just you know, but not in two thousand seven or eight. So anyway, whatever he says, you're done. Not yet. And that's when he kicked. Now, can I ask you a question? This little sequence, the shootout. 
Was I the only one who felt the need to kind of rewind it back a couple times? No. It happened. And, no, and, I did too. And I can't. I don't have DVR capability. I have like my – that's why I watched it twice. I was like, when did Gus shoot? How did he get shot? Was there a ricochet? <laughs> I just imagined you with like a VCR and a VHS with like a sticker with like some marker crossed uh-uh. off. Like, Betamax. You know. No VHS. Betamax. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. Brian had money at Laserdisc. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 gut, the shootout was very, very vague and sort of confusing yeah. that I didn't catch till I watched it the second time. Yeah. Well, because you just heard, right, you just heard Ricochet. You heard, you saw the flashing. It's so but You fast. didn't know where it was coming from, who had done what. Yeah. And it's literally but, a shot in the dark. Literally, yeah. yeah, but but yeah. It, it, it's it's he he kicks the like the light the extension cord thing whatever you want yeah. to call it and it's like and if yep. you count it off it's like the space of not I don't even know if it's more than three seconds it might not be because it's him bolting over there and Lalo is shooting at him and apparently he gets there so fast and, and he's able to instantly grab the gun and immediately start firing until he's but it's almost like a it's like flash flash and then all of a sudden he's it's click 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 and I'm like oh. yeah. And for a minute there, until I realized that Lalo myself was watching it live, so to speak, or I was watching it on delay, yep. but you know what you know what I mean. For a yep. second there, I was like, wait a minute, he can't run out of bullets. Lalo can't kill him. Then I realized, oh wait, he right? killed Lalo? Yeah. How did he shoot? Yep. He shot Lalo? I didn't even see that. <laughs> I rewound it. I was like, and, oh, it's and so not fast. Only did he, not only did he manage to shoot him, he shot him in the throat. <laughs> like, oh, that's just lovely. I mean, he got him. But, you yeah. know, like he got him pretty good, but I but, when we had the flash, flash, and then the click, 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 I thought, oh shit, he missed. But oh, but I will say, watching it the second time, I did catch what happened. The first time, I was disoriented, <laughs> but right. it set up the beautiful scene of him looking at the dark and being so afraid Lala was going to come out of that yes. dark. Right. Yes, that that yes, that was that, that was maybe mm-hmm. the most terrifying scene in the mm-hmm. episode. That Gus is looking at that just really deep dark and not knowing what happened. Well, it's interesting is that it's deep dark except there's that little tiny square of light from the camera that's on that's yeah. on the ground. Yeah, which doesn't yeah. mean anything because he could have just dropped the damn camera. Yeah, ab- right. absolutely. Because we're at that point, you're like going, what? That's and when people talk about the tension of the episode. I mean, obviously, a lot of them, they're talking about initially the stuff with Kim early on and whatever. Yeah. But then it's that part. It's like we don't know. Did he just? It's like because mm-hmm. it, for a second there, I was like going, "Oh my god! If they just have him fucking disappear, I'm gonna be so fucking angry right now." <laughs> but no, they yeah they, they went the other right. way. Right now, I just have a question about that since we're gonna talk about that camera just right there. Um, I, in my mind, I have this idea that Gus takes that camera and he keeps that footage. And then every so often he rewatches what was recorded as a reminder of what he's capable of doing. Like, I just I just see him going through it occasionally down the line in his future as a way to, like, embolden and empower and just to remind himself uh, and, and his his very controlled manner of doing things that this, this is like a trophy or, or like a talisman that carries him moving forward. I, I think that any time that Gus needs to deal with somebody, he may go watch that video 
and yeah. or anytime he's going to kill a Salamanca, he may go watch <laughs> that video. Yeah. And, yep. and <laughs> I, I do not think he destroys the videotape. No. Interesting. No. I hadn't really thought I, about it. I think he, I think he might edit the videotape because he doesn't want to see. You know, oh yeah. He doesn't want to sit through like fifteen minutes of him being treated like a bitch. So yep. <laughs> he might, he might, he might Just cut it. End. He might cut it to him, him ripping, him ripping on Don Eladio and the Salamancas. He might just, he might take it from. All right, let's cut everything up to me getting thrown in the dirt. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna cut, we'll cut that part out. You know, it's like me. He's probably got. All the, use the narr- the narrative I want. Yeah, it's, it's the off. <laughs> he's like me. He's putting it off on a productions. He's cutting. You know, he's he's, he's editing for like three thirty in the morning. Oh wow! Anyway, um, <laughs> so obviously, when um, Gus manages to get the the lights on from uh, by, by the by the bulldozer thingy, whatever, and that's when we see the body is lying there, and he walks over, and then we have the mo we have Lalo's dying moments, and a lot has been made of this, as I understand that he. He, you, you could say he dies with a smile on his face as he's, you know, basically yeah. ch- he's choking on his own blood because it looks, it appears as though he was maybe actually shot in the throat. Um, so it's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a, jo- there's a little bit of a Joker style, <laughs> styling of, of, of yeah. dying there, whatever. Um, I, 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 I very much enjoyed that was the, the last living moment of Lalo there. Because I mean, once once you decide to shoot him in the throat, then we're not going to get a smart ass crack at him at this point. But you know yep. that in his look and in his smile, that it's like, okay, you got lucky with that bullet there, but you know I had <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, I still, yep. I, I still, I still got you. I, I got, I got you. You know, you were, you were leading three nothing in the ninth inning. I was, I was leading three nothing in the ninth inning. You know, you made you made a little comeback here, but you know that that, that I won about eight innings worth of that game. What am I talking about, Brian? I'm sorry. L- but, uh, Lalo, do not bring in Holmes in the ninth. <laughs> the one time, one time. No one's gonna know. Well, God will know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to mention him later for something else. Yeah. So you know, Gus. Basically, Gus watches him die. Um, it, it's anyway. I I think it's a nice touch. It's an interesting. We we've seen people die abruptly. People die in with you know final words cut off quite often. And people have this was one where he wasn't given the opportunity to speak, but he had done so much talking beforehand. I think that's actually okay. You know his look and his smile kind of said it all. I thought. Um, and it's after he pat, he dies, then Gus kind of falls to the ground, and you see him like removing the bullet that's lodged in his vest, but you realize, oh, he looks like he got shot like you know just under the vest. So, Mister uh, Mister Rich uh, Chicken Man over there can't afford body armor. They could, they, you know, they could, 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 could go like a size bigger. By the way, do you remember the body vests and armor show up a couple, at least a few times in Breaking Bad, if I'm not mistaken? Just saying. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. A little bit later, it looks like he's being given some little kind of preliminary treatment. We should say, like from one of the, I think from one of the dudes that was there. Was it? Was it the guy who looked like he was set up to be his double? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I, the I, one that he, the one that Kim originally thought was. Yeah, him? yeah, because I think it's that that same guy who's doing it. If I'm not mistaken, going. I didn't. Who, I didn't even Sam? catch it. And honestly, like now, I'm mad that I didn't pay a little bit more attention to that, thinking that it could have been our guy from Breaking Bad that we saw, you know, reel in. No. Uh, the aftermath, but no, no. I, I didn't. The guy, the guy, they're, the guy they're waiting for is the guy from Breaking Bad. They're bringing in the okay. doctor from Mexico, whose last name, doctor, whose yes. last name is oddly and coincidentally and inexplicably, his last name is Goodman. I don't know why. His based on his ethnicity, it, it really shouldn't be Goodman. Shouldn't but be his, right. But his name it just it's one I, I I've not I've never seen an explanation for it. I don't think there is an explanation for it. I, but the, for whatever reason, I said, "All right, we're going to name him Goodman too." Don't know why. Never, I've never known why. I've never seen There's an explanation. Got to be an why. inside thing. It's a stupid thing. You know, it could have been, you know, bueno hombre. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it's at that point Gus is giving some instructions over the phone to Lyle. Lyle and los pollos hermanos. Lyle just, gets to be manager. I know. I'm, I get to, no. He gets to be Mister Manager. Thank you very much. Mister Manager. Come on. I, <laughs> Who thought I would be making an Arrested Development reference? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have that written anywhere. Uh, yes, Lyle, who's just showing up at Lost Players Armas to open, you know, get get everything running. Like probably it's probably the wee hours in the morning, and the fact that he's like, even singing a little uh, Lost Players Armas jingle to himself. I'll treat you guys to it as we close the podcast later. Um, I'll do it uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, Mike, Mike wants uh, Sam, this, this, this guy that they gave the name Sam, who maybe we'll never see again, to, to get out of the room. Because <laughs> he wants to have a little conversation with uh, Gus here. And I really like uh, the fact that this, th- I think this is also very significant in these two relationships. And we know, we've, we've talked before that there's been these weird little tensions that have been happening between Mike and Gus. And it's, yeah. in- so it's interesting to see that dealing in a situation where both of them were kind of bested in different, at different points in time. So, cause I guess we're to believe that everything is works out better for them from this point on, since Mike continues to work for him and, and be like a loyal soldier. But here, when he actually says, the next time you get a wild hair to play detective, tell me, plus, plus, I'm like, Mike just went totally old timey on me by saying, when you get a wild hair, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> are you are you hanging out? Are you hanging out with Cagney and Myrna Loy? You know, in the back room. There? What the going on here? You know, but I like him saying, you know, this could have gone a whole, down a whole lot different. And then, but Gus is all, you know, Mister. He's got his he's got his balls back. You know, it could have. Yep. See, I right. Did, I did, right. I did, I did and you know what? You go back to you go back to Mike's uh, cop days, right? So I feel like part of him has kind of been treating Gus like he's his partner. You know, like, he, he's on the beat with him. Hmm. And then he talks down to him in the sense, you know, he kind of, he really, well, really, he's talking down to him when he says, like, hey, the next time you get this wild hair. He's, like, talking down to his partner. And Gus just, like, really affirmed the idea of, like, no, no, bitch, you work for me. <laughs> like, and, and what's interesting is is the two of them, what they each did was they did the opposite of what they normally do. That yes. Mike Mike got out strategized, and strategy is usually Gus's thing. Yep. And 
Gus handled the fucking dirty work, and usually Mike handles the dirty work. So it's a real role reversal of, yep. of what happened to them. And because neither of them were doing what they were best at, it, it almost went really bad for Gus. So Very close. It could have. It almost, it almost broke bad, in fact. Anyway, almost. Yeah, let's get right. <laughs> Back at the condo. So Mike arrives there with Kim. He arrives with a new fridge because it looks like they're going to repurpose the old <laughs> one to move Howard's body. You know, Mike is insisting on them wearing gloves. And as I mentioned before, you know, the first thought, those of us who have seen Breaking Bad, which is most viewers, um, were thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, Mike's doing cleanup duty of her body. That seems familiar. That's what he's doing. Um, But he goes to talk to uh, Kim and Jimmy in the other room, and he's very firm with them, you know, because at this point, Jimmy, (laughs) Jimmy, Jimmy still thinks Lalo is alive, which is like, no, but Lalo's sitting there, sit. And he's very matter of fact with them, which is Mike's way. Shouldn't even be the phrase. Shouldn't even be matter of fact. Should be like matter of Mike. And he basically tells him, you know, he finds out what their what, what what their plans are for the next day about her her docket of work, what he has to do, whatever. Yep. And he says, just go about your day as if it never happened, because that's it. It never happened. I love that. You know, he knows that they're watching. He knows he knows they're movie lovers. He's, they're watching movies. So he tells him he wants them to make like Meryl Streep and Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. <laughs> Do not act out of the ordinary. My favorite thing he says in that little spiel about you know the way they act. I love when he says, "Don't be staring off into space." I love that for a couple reasons. Number one, it's a great observational comment to make in general. Number two, sure. it's such a meta. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I don't think are terribly meta shows, nor should they be. But a but a line like that is. Because we've all watched any number of TV shows, episodes, and even good ones or movies, whatever, where you have the characters who are just and they're just staring off. They're staring at themselves in a mirror. They've even done, quite frankly, they've yeah. done it. I believe they've done it on this show. I believe they've done it on this yep. show. And he's telling them, no, 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 no. None of that. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I, I actually, there was that part of me, I, if it, if, if, it, if Mike was given to comedy, which he's not, I almost want him to go off on a wrist. Like, don't sit in your car for 15 minutes staring, you know, staring at yourself, you know, whatever. Don't, no, no, no staring at yourself in the bathroom mirror for a while. None, none of that. None of that. You know. Anyway, I just really, and, but what it comes down to, and, it, and it's the key thing is he tells them that they just, what they need to do is they just need to keep telling the lie that they've been telling which is about Howard. And that's the, the, the horror of, you go back to, you know, the, the germination of their plan about Howard. And, and while Jimmy was initially against it, of course, and it was Mark Kim person, but kept going, okay, he'll get past this. It's a, it's a, it, it'll sully his reputation a, a little bit, but, you know, he can build it back. Then we had the scene with Howard at the end of the previous episode yep. where, you know, that comes out in what he's saying, but he realizes it actually is a lot worse than what you guys thought it was going to be. They don't realize how bad his life actually was at this moment, like with his marriage and everything else and whatever. And, but, you know, and, and how horrible a thing they really did was. And then now, uh, well, now it caused him to be dead. <laughs> so it's. Yeah. I love that Mike is the voice that reaffirms, like, yeah, this wouldn't have happened if you guys hadn't done this. Like, 
It's kind of your fault. This is kind of your fault. Oh yeah. I mean, that the the, the, the I mean the tragedy of it all, of course. And it, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but we'll, but it's a podcast, so we'll say it. Is you didn't need to do this. You never had to do this. And that's and that and then the, you, you, your mind kind of just goes back to the end of Planet Execution. What Howard says, like, oh, at the end of the day, you weren't doing this. You weren't even doing this about the money, because you know whatever you were doing this Why? for the yeah. fun. Why? Why did yep. you do that? You know. And I love when, when he says to her, like when he says all things, like because you know I I, I put you in documents, I or I took away your office or whatever. I Jimmy, and it's like oh, and now you now his his brains are splattered across your wall. Because you, you were getting yeah. off on just, you know, screwing with the guy because of what he represented to you. That's why. Well, and, and now, and now the, the story they crafted, like, is their curse that they have to live with. Yes. And, and Mike has basically told them to do that. And I love the detail that he says, you're going to have to, somebody's going to saw his car you're going to have to tell another lie and say he came here that night and acted that way. And then you're going to have to go to the police and tell them like, yeah, he came over. They're going to have to continue the lie after his death and tell more lies that hurt Howard and how Howard looks and, and ruins his standing with everyone. And they have to do it because they'd already pushed that ball down the field too far to roll it back. And, 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 I love that Mike gives zero fucks about like it, what they feel that, that that they made this bad. Now they have to lie in it, but that they have to do it. And he says something, and I wonder. This is one of the things I want to ask: is he said, you know, you understand that like it's really important that you maintain the lie. And he looks at both of them, and and you know, if it goes bad for Kim. This could be Kim doesn't stick to the lie, or it could be they do stick to the lie and they just can't live with each other. I mean, those are the two possibilities we're looking at right now. But, you know, this was more her baby, so now we get to see her be traumatized by it and see what continuing to tell the lie is going to do to her. Yeah. And she has to live with a stainless steel refrigerator, which is going to have fingerprints all over it all the time. No, that's a real important detail here. Yeah, but but it won't have all the greasy grime that that the white ones get. It drives me crazy. The the, the, the smudge fingerprints. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, there's not going to be a dead body riddled with guilt and remorse inside of it. So, Um, win win. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't know how much longer they're actually going to live in that place. (laughs) It's like, hey, remember? Yeah. It's not. Um, a, it's not filled with great memories. No, um, it's just. It's I, not. are they going to are they going to buff buff the floors and repaint the walls? No, there's always going to be a trace. There's always a trace. Always a it's trace. It's always going to be there. It's always no, going to be there. No, Mike's going to take care of it by the time they get home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I know. you get we, home, it'll been, be taken care been, of. We ne- we never saw what 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 what's our face's place looked like after the fact. How oh, how do I believe that anyway? Plus, well, she there's just a little puke on the bed <laughs> hey listen one call to right, five oh cleaning right. service and your house is good as new okay That's it is great time. it's in great shape but i do i do like that we got this mic and we that we the first mic we were introduced to 
Yes, we you should know, be competent, was so kicking much ass this, yeah. All of these lines he was saying, how you're going to handle this, the way he talked to Jesse, you know, in Breaking Bad. Exactly. and it, it was it was just, it felt like such a circle that I wanted to have filled. And that's, like it just meant something. That's, yeah. There he is. That's the mic. And that's what I was saying earlier for those who, like this person who, you know, I was talking about, like, they're not going to get that, I don't think. That like this is actually basically just right. it's an interesting it's a call back or call forward if you want or whatever to um the first time we meet Mike in Breaking Bad, yep. which I think was which went, and I realized it pretty quickly. I mean, the minute he walks in and they're like, "Oh, he's he's back to he's Mike the Cleaner." Yep. Oh, that's yep. that's yep. really smart. That's really smart. And when he was telling, and when he's telling them to repeat things back to him. That's what he does mm-hmm. with Jesse in Breaking Bad. Oh, I, 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 you know, I adore the fuck out of all that. Um, the only yeah. thing I wanted, I wanted like, you know, if, <laughs> didn't, they didn't do it because, you know, it's not the time to laugh because he's telling them that they have to keep telling the lie. You know, it's what they're going to have to keep doing it. And if he, if it had been me writing this, I would be like, you know, if, you know, because if you tell the lie enough times, you'll believe it. And then I wanted Jimmy to look up like, you mean like if I'm Ke- like like I'm Kevin Costner? Because that's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Podcast over. Anyway, gotta include the, gotta include the Costner. I'm so good. See, I'm better off the cuff. Why do I take knots? I don't need knots for sure. I don't have that anywhere. All right, so let's get to the ending, which is like, oh, now the thing that you were talking about feeling earlier, I was feeling here when they're burying Lalo and Howard together. It's, it's, and it's all, and and no offense to to all you people out there and the people, other people on this podcast, but all your Lalo love, which is just weird. Um, It's Howard. I'm going, oh man. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. This is so, because Lalo's in the game. He's part of this. Howard's not. Yeah. This is horrible. And the fact that yep. these two, and and you know, will now will will be forever to get tied together for eternity, in in this ignom. Uh, I can't even pronounce the words. I won't even try it. I, Ignominious. I'm, thank you. Wow, that's why. That's why you a lawman, and <laughs> with your fancy silver tongue and such. <laughs> uh, but just even again, it, it it's weird to. To, to compliment the, the acting of Patrick Fabian in this moment, because it's really just the expression on his face. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's, it's, it's actually him. It's not like a dummy or something. But I was like, oh, I'm feeling worse now than I did at the end of the other episode. Yeah. It's just like, oh, what, this is the, the, the tragedy of it is just awful. And then it, the look on Mike's face when he looks down at the two of them together. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I'm saying this with the intention of mocking you, Brian. So just saying it before I even say it. Um, that's some real face acting there, Mike. <laughs> 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 My notes are dopey phrase, fight me. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just fucking. <laughs> it's like, because when you say face acting, it's like, you mean acting. <laughs> you mean expressing yourself. No, I'm just fucking facial uh, expressions. But not only that, but this I this the first when we got Lalo's body, you know, when his corpse is his corpse is literally just getting chucked into this hole, like just thwomp, right? Right. But, but Mike doesn't let him do power, that. 
And he says, easy. That's amazing. Mm. It's an amazing, it's, 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 it's a moment like that, which makes me happy. I sent that, even though I hadn't seen the episode yet, cause it was hours earlier. Happy I sent that tweet to uh, Gordon Smith because that's a lovely little mo- thing to, to, to think of at that point for Mike to actually say easy because yeah. you know this th- this was this was a civilian this guy what, what whatever his fallible issues might have been with these other these other two he didn't deserve this and he doesn't deserve to be treated like garbage Lalo he, yeah. Lalo he, he he might he might despise Lalo you know what doesn't matter. But this yeah. guy deserves something, and the fact, and then, and then, and then, it's that moment when he realizes, oh, to to set everything up, and when he takes off, when he finds the wallet, he takes off the ring and the shoes, which is, and I remember, and as I'm watching, I'm like, there it is, see, finally, I'm waiting, I'm waiting the whole episode for that. Anyway, <laughs> so, yep, yep. Of course, I did have one thought, just to be an ass, because that's, I mean, obviously, that's kind of the the end of the episode where they're, they're, they bury them in in the super lab. There, I kept going, hey, wait a minute. What about all those guys they killed over at the laundromat? They don't. They don't what get, were the other five? Where, where are they? Where are they yeah. getting buried? Are they, they don't. They, do they not get buried? Are they going to get the acid treatment? Are they just going to be chucked somewhere? I'm just. Are they being ground up into? Uh, maybe they make burgers now at Los Palos Hermanos. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. Well, and I like to say our missing, uh, the missing member of our podcast here, who did not have reception enough to be able to call in and join us. Uh, it just does seem to be his hardest hit question of the whole, the whole uh, episode is, what about Mike's four other guys? <laughs> like, where, what hole did they get thrown in? So, uh, yes, well, there's that. I, I figure it's because the, um, you know what? No, there's no good reason for it. Because <laughs> no, it's the same location. No. It, it actually would have made more sense. There's no excuse. They, the, Check them in there. You know what? Apparently they were buried earlier that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe they have like, you know, like you sign up to work with Gus. Like maybe you have to sign some papers. Like here's your burial plans. Pay for it ahead of time. No, 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 no. What they have. <laughs> like what, maybe there's some no, contractual no. like. No, no, no. What Mike has, he's got one of those little cards that you get, like at Los Pollos Hermanos, and you know, for, you, know you, you punch out the number of go- number of your guys who get killed, <laughs> you know, and for every for, for every for up, to, for up to every ten guys who get killed, you know, it's, you know, the free burial burial <laughs> up by the barn or something. It's like, oh, <laughs> but see, the, the, Howard and Lalo put them two over. It's like, oh, we're gonna have to bury them here. I don't, you know, I don't get the free burial. Okay, so all right, that's the episode. So I have a question. That's the episode. I I said I said I was going to get to this question, so now I'm going to get to it now. Now, outside of this episode, and I know we touched on this, I think the last time we did the Better Call Saul podcast, but I'm going to ask it again because now we're an episode in. We've got five to go. The next one, by the way, will be titled "Fun and Games." It doesn't say it on IMDb, but I found it somewhere else. Fucking Wikipedia okay. places, um, and just to just and 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 then it turns out I, I posted the EW article on our Facebook page. That is the actual episode where Bob Odenkirk had the, the heart attack. So if everyone's been wondering, oh, is this the episode? Look, he's running in this one. No idiots. Of course they were going to tell us which episode it was going to be before it aired. Of course they would. It's next episode. So. Now we can all watch that episode and then and try to figure out at what point during the filming of it it happened because he's probably going to look like shit for the other part of the episode because I've heard you can kind of tell the way he looks. Anyway, 
That's why I thought, and that's another thing that kind of backed up my previous idea of like maybe the rumors that this this episode had been the one because when he was tied to the chair, um, he's, he's just he's he's not looking like him. But that could just be nothing at this point. Clearly, it's maybe again it's that awesome facial acting that we've talked about. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but I mean, he, if you if you'd really, like to join the STB podcast, because we might be back. losing a couple of hosts here, and hush you, know, you. <laughs> hush you. No, he really, he got Ro, Ro if you want to join so the podcast, you know we, you know she can go do uh, Big Brother crap and the other one whatever. Hush you. <laughs> he doesn't like my smart wit. Uh, no, oh, is that what it is? He, we have very different dictionaries <laughs> Anyway, yeah, mine me, is titled. Things awesome people say. <laughs> but the problem is it's spelled no, A-W-S-U-M. It's totally spelled wrong. I'm going to be, like, I, I'm not going to lie, it's spelled wrong. <laughs> but the the idea that, you know, it, it's easy to buy into. It's, he, looked a little, he looked a little rough. But you know what? We go back, and we go back to, you know, the boxing match. Yeah, he looked a little rough there. Ah, oh, he looked a little rough there. You know what's happening? Bob Odenkirk is a t- Odenkirk is a tired man, and he has been playing an emotional role, and it's the final season, and he had a movie, and guess what? He's just looking a little rough. You know, now, if he comes back after this next episode, and he looks refreshed, okay. we know we're on something. Oh, my God. I just realized. Wait, I can mute myself, but I can't mute her. It's goddamn. No, you can't. I I've got the you power. Know, you know what? I think I'm. I think I'm watching the episode where Scott has a heart attack. <laughs> You're watching the episode where where Scott's marking down where the things he's going to cut out of the episode when he edits it later. <laughs> oh God. Ugh. So anyway, back back to back to the question I was trying to ask. Um, we got five episodes to go. Look, they've been they've been using it more than anything else to promote the final six. In the previously on Better Call Saul, they featured it. Yeah. In the two yep. minute promo to sum up the entire five seasons, which they aired at like one, whatever fuck in the morning, but my DVR caught it because it's Better Call Saul. It's that's part of the whole framework, the beginning, middle, and end of it. I'm talking about the Gene storyline. Yep. So my question, and I know I asked this before, I'm going to ask it again, and I'll give you the options. When are we going to get to it? Is it going to be A? Are they going to wait to the last episode? You know, maybe they'll do the old begin and end with it or something. B, hey, you know what? It could be in the very next episode. Or maybe they'll do a thing where they're toggling back and forth between the Nebraska timeline and what's going on in Albuquerque in an upcoming episode. C, I realize there's another strong possibility, depending on how far they want to go with it. They can do something where they actually devote an entire episode to Gene. I do not think that would be the final episode. I think it would be something nope. along the lines, maybe the penultimate episode, something like that. Because I was having a conversation this weekend, and we were actually we're not talking about Better Call Saul at all. We were talking about something, another show we were watching at the time. And 
the uh, actually someone else. I'll have to say, um, uh, my friends uh, Adrian and uh, and Mike, and we were talking. We, we were watching the the series Shining Girls, and we're watching. We're 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 rationing ourselves one episode a week, even though it's all there. We could binge it, but we don't have time to binge and watch it all together. We watch one a week. And Mike brought up the things, that, and because we're like maybe midway through the season, and Mike brought up the idea that you know. There's going to have to be an episode where it's all. I don't know if you guys know what the show is about, but there's. Yeah, I watched it. There's a t- okay. Well, for anyone listening, uh, I don't want to spoil things too much, but there is. The, you become aware there's some there's some sort of slight little bit of a time travel element unexpectedly that seems to be more and more prevalent as you're watching the show, and you realize at some point. He, Mike was saying, we're going to get like a flashback episode, which is going to fill in all this. It's going to be like, take place. You know, was like, and we were joking, like, it'll be black and white or in sepia tones. It'll be whatever. And then as, as luck would have it, we're having dinner. We put the episode, the next episode on. And that was what the next episode was. It's like, did you know that? It's like, no, I didn't. It's like, neither did I. That's crazy. But all, not all, many shows do that. They do that thing where class. you get the big explanation episode. Think of all the shows that uh, the dude, the Haunting of Hill House dude does, where you get that one episode that takes place in like the, the 19th yep. century and whatever. Sure. I think it's, it's even though it's obviously it's a future, so it's a reversal, I kind of think they could do that. They could do a Gene episode. I'm not saying they will, because maybe they don't think there's enough material to fill out 40 minutes, but I think they're, they're great writers. I think they could be, especially maybe you work in certain other people showing up or something, you know. I'm, my guess is it could, and it doesn't have to be the penultimate. It could be, it could be right in the middle. Who the hell knows? It's a half episode. A half episode. And here's what it's going to be. <laughs> this is my prediction right okay. now. Is it going to turn to color? The, the, no, the penultimate episode is going to be called Saul and Gene. The last episode is going to be called Jimmy and Kim. You. I like. I like. I like. Them. I don't know if I'll be really happy if he's right, or I'm going to be really angry if he's right. <laughs> and I know the second one's irrational, but it, but I I was having, I was talking to a professional the other day, and I was talking about how people get about. It's most traditionally about music, where when you have a band that you like, we've talked about this before, kind of thing, that you like, you feel like it's your band, and then when they become popular and everyone likes them, you start getting annoyed with everybody else, because they're like, no, they're, they're my band, they're my band. I realize I get like that with TV shows. <laughs> and I'm actually, and I remember, I remember it being the case of Breaking Bad, because now it's happening all over again. And I'm almost getting annoyed with all the love that all these people are showing for Better Call Saul. Not that it doesn't deserve it. I want everyone to love the show, but I also I also want them to shut up about it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like I said. It's very irrational. It's very irrational. I I think it's like, and maybe it's because of the ego on me. And people start talking about it. It's like you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm I'm Mister Podcaster. Right? I've talked about it since day one. I'm a jerk. Anyway, I'm making fun. We'll of always it. have the American. Scott, no one loved that, there but you and me. So. That's right. I know. Hey, I, I I loved the Americans, but it was a uh, took a long time for me to get on that boat. I did. Well, that's because you don't like America, so you heard a show was called The Americans, <laughs> so you wouldn't get on the boat. Anti-patriotic. If, if they had only named the show what it was about, those the stinking com- commie liberals, and you would have gotten right on. Bing, bing. Now, now I've been all over that. Socialism. I added, I added that's, that's yeah. for, for one listener. <laughs> we now know who the Don Eladio of the podcast is, Jamie. It's you. <laughs> 
This me. No, no. You bloated okay. American she's, pig. No, 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 no. She's no, no. She's female. She's so she, a pig. She, I love her. Okay. She's, she's done a, a pig. She's Don't done a. She's done a lady. Anyway. A lady. Stupid. A lady. She's done a. She's she's done a lady. Um. Anyway, back to the you genes. Yeah, all silly. I, I, what so, I, um, I, I'm going to tell you right now that when we do get this episode, I know that you and I have discussed this a little bit, but one thing that we can mark is almost a certainty is that when we get that episode, I'm going to be in Oklahoma. <laughs> so when we go back to Nebraska, I'm going to be in Oklahoma. Facts. Uh, that's right. That's right. Well, that's why I figure if I kick your ass off the podcast in advance, we don't have to worry about the whole situation as you being okay. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way through through hell and high water, <laughs> through Oklahoma sin. I will find an internet connection, and I will be here. Oh, okay, you have fun. We're, we're, we're changing the chat on Skype. So. <laughs> Devious. Devious. So, anyway, the, the gene thing, what I kind of like, Actually, and to be, to be somewhat serious, a little bit more serious, but I actually like the fact that you know, obviously, the big mystery for all us is still what's going to happen to Kim. What's going to happen to Kim? I love that there's this other mystery, but when are they going to get to to the to the Gene stuff? And it's it's like this delayed gratification, like oh, here's another episode. Oh, they didn't get to us yet. Oh, they didn't get to us yet. And it's funny because right. this, this what they've done in both the breaking in the Breaking Bad universe. The or the 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 Vince verse, no fuck that Gilligan verse because that that doesn't make any sense. Um, on one hand, they're all about okay, we're go- we're gonna give you some immediate satisfaction you weren't expecting, like we're gonna get to that Lalo shit right now, boom. But other times it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna make you wait. <laughs> we're gonna wait. What does that pink teddy bear mean? Eh, you're gonna have to wait <laughs> and wait. Right and wait, and I'm wondering that's what they're doing with Gene, but they keep showing stuff. It's driving me crazy. The promos for this were like the black and white freaking Cinnabons, and they, uh, bastards. I saw one where it was black and white, and it was Saul's office too. They're totally yep. yep. But by the way, and we're like, yep. if they see, I'm unlike some folks out there. I love black and white cinematography, so I will be all about having an episode that's mostly or all in black and white. I'll be all for it. I'll, I, I'll love that, it. That's why I guess that episode will be split, and it'll be Gene and Saul. But, of course, you know, it's probably a misdirect that they just did for marketing. But, but you know, it, it makes sense to me that the final episode will be Jimmy and Cam and uh, – because I, I mean, I think it, it's, it, I think it's a great works. idea. I, I hate the fact that it didn't occur to me. <laughs> That's why I hate you, Brian. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. You're like you're like Dan with the Chuck's gonna burn kind of thing. No, no. <laughs> now, quick. Speaking of which, what did somebody make a prediction that somebody was buried in the floor of the lab? I swear somebody did on this podcast. As like just. As a joke or a sarcastic comment, like "Oh yeah, he's da da da," I, I don't know. I think everyone needs to think about that because I'm pretty sure somebody did. I made a joke one time that maybe the fly was Lalo in the episode <laughs> yep. "The Fly." Yep. yep. Yes. Like I made that as a joke because he was trying to get into the lab so bad that I was like, maybe the fly, you know, is is like Lala or something to that effect. See, what it actually is, what it actually is, is the fly 
was attracted to the dead bodies under the floor, and that's why it wouldn't get the stuck whole out time. <sighs> there you, you go. The whole time. We're, we're such idiots. And actually, actually, I, I'm pretty certain that when Walt falls from the rafters in that episode, his landing point I knew you were gonna... is exactly there. It's exactly there. All right. All right. <laughs> That's what the fly said. Exactly. The other bugs didn't agree. <laughs> okay, so, wow, that was longer than I thought. So, hey, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, that's right, I'm trying to get to the wrap-up now, then guess what? You'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. It's the Serious TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page and join the conversation about TV shows like Better Call Saul. And, hey, you can talk about Breaking Bad and a bunch of other things there, too. Where can you find our podcast? Well, you know, you're already listening, so you already found us. But if you want to tell someone else to find us, they can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Amazon Music and pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available. Um, except for one place, which I don't like Pandora. I don't know. Better still, you can just go to STVD. Wow, my notes spelled it incorrectly. Wow. I have Steve Podcast. Well, wow. I'm going to change it. I'm gonna, in, in August, I'm going to change it to Steve Podcast. It'll just be about Steven Spielberg and Stephen King stuff. Anyway, stvdpodcast.podbean.com uh, where you can listen to all, you can track down all 350, good Lord, 354 of our podcasts reside there. You can follow us on Instagram. Our handle there is Serious TV Drama, all is one word. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at STVD Podcast. That's STVD as in serious TV drama. We also, <laughs> if perchance you'd like to email us, and up until the other day, I would say, I can't imagine why you would. You barely are commenting on Facebook. But if you should feel the mode, the, the, you know, the urge to be silly, we actually have a functioning email address. We've always had one, apparently. It's stvdpodcast at gmail.com. We actually got an email. Apparently, we it was actually sent like a week ago, because <laughs> I hadn't checked, of course. Um, so, listener who gets referenced more than CJ did back in the day, <laughs> David Gott <laughs> sent us an email, <laughs> basically just commenting on how he also likes Nutter Butter Cookies, so... So finally, there's something that me and he's him can agree on. He's not wrong. He's, he's, he's not wrong. He's wrong about fantastic. a lot of other things, but but I and I I don't yeah. I think I don't recall which podcast it was. It might have. I don't recall if it was the boys. I feel like it might have been an Umbrella Academy one. I feel like it was. It, I, don't know. I was we make, talk about a lot of I, a lot of things. <laughs> I went on a riff of comparing get, not getting Oreos, ending up getting Hydrox, and I said, and you know what's better than both of those? Nutter Butters. Why don't people not talk about Nutter Butters? Yeah. Oh my God. yeah, that was the boys, and you are correct, and David got confirmed that accurate information yeah, well, that Nutter Butters well, are well the done, supreme cookie. Well done, David. It's it's literally the best message I've ever gotten from you. Um, especially and now, and when you when you realize actually actually have done double stuff, Nutter Butters. Oh my God. Anyway, next time on our podcast. Well, the next podcast, actually, um, unless it gets delayed again, um, Brian and I will be uh, suiting up to do the to wrap up the final two episodes of Stranger Things. Um, I have some plans and the way I have it mapped out. I am confident it will be the best Stranger Things podcast done for the last two episodes ever. That's right. 
That's only because Brian's going to shave his head and levitate you through your building. (laughs) There's only room for one shaved head here, Missy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, And, of course, we will be back next week with coverage of the next Better Call Saul episode. As I mentioned before, the title of that one will be Fun and Games. I was so happy I got, I got to make a joke. Hey, it's all fun and games until you have a heart attack on the set. Anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, too soon. Uh, never too soon. Mr. Odenkirk would appreciate that humor because, you know, Mr. Show. All right. So I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight, even though it's <laughs> 2.46 in the morning. Wow. Um... Uh, it's great to see, great for you guys to be here. I look forward to podcasting with you again. Um, so right now, you guys, I just need you to say goodnight, and I need to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> goodnight, so, Mike. We woke up in the morning. I woke up in the morning. The body was here. I don't know how it happened. Now, now if, would you like to do the chorus for me with the, the, the Bios Hermanos jingle? Because I want to... <laughs> I gotta, that's got to be my final comment to the podcast. So Lyle is singing the Los Pollos Hermanos jingle, which I have not come across. I do not think it has existed before this episode. And for some reason, I don't know why Gus Fring thought this was a great idea. The idea is the tune of the Pollos Hermanos jingle is to the tune of La Cucaracha, which is the cockroach. I'm sorry. I don't know if I want my fast food restaurants jingle to be based around a song that we associate with a bug. It seems a little weird to me, but I couldn't help but think of it. And, you know, and since bugs play a big part in it, but we were just talking about, but I loved it when he, I actually rewound the back of your tons and you can hear him singing it. And so I just, it goes a little something like this. Pollos hermanos, pollos hermanos, delicious chicken grilled and fried. Pollos hermanos, pollos hermanos, it will leave you satisfied. <laughs> It's the Poyos best. Hermanos. Poyos Poyos Hermanos. Hermanos. Delicious chicken grilled and fried. <laughs> Poyos Hermanos. I just like, it will leave you. And I like that Lyle puts an extra little touch on it. He, he actually belts it out a little bit. It will leave you satisfied. Oh, yeah. Lyle's definitely a crooner. <laughs> he, he Tony Bennett's that shit. He does. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Dopey, one of the dopier endings to our podcast, but no. Anyway, good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya. Night.